as you know, last week we did a message called Fasting 101, which was just a metaphor for the, you know, like when you uh, go to college, your freshman level introductory classes are 101 or 120 or whatever. And then usually if they have them in sequence, they have 101, 102, 103. When I was at Sinclair Community College, I taught History 101, 102, 103, 111, 112, and 113. So uh, we're kind of uh, hopefully building on what we talked about last week. That's why I re-sent re you the notes. I One of the particular reasons that I sent you the notes from what they re-gave you the notes, because a lot of people don't take them home, was um, I thought in 101... Uh, we basically in 101, if you look at point C, the day of atonement fast, uh, or in your notes, Yom Kippur fast, Isaiah 58, 1 through 12. One of the things that most encourages me about that, Israel was only required to fast one day a year. Uh, it's been Christian practice. Most Christians throughout the centuries have fasted uh, one day a week or what have you. But um, the point is that God has tremendous rewards promise that you're keeping yourself from if you don't fast. And even a one-day fast has tremendous rewards associated with it if you fast with the right motives. And so in point C of 101, we uh, broke down uh, seven proper motives, or, or improper, you can re read the reverse negative and do the correct side of it, and 10 promised rewards. Uh, so uh, that was good. I thought I had done a thing about, uh, I guess I ran out of space and didn't realize I hadn't done it last week, uh, but I will get you um, a list of books to read on fasting. But if you just Google fasting on the internet, there's actually some pretty good sources. And uh, Derek Prince is a really good name in, in books about fasting. Um, Mahesh Shavda is a little hard name because he's Indian. He was from the high priestly class, Hindu class, and then was converted to Christ as a young man. Mahesh Shabda's book called The Secret Power of Prayer and Fasting has motivated me to succeed in fasting more than any other book I ever read. Uh, just so, uh, so you keep yourself in reality, I have uh, started and not hit my target for how long I wa wanted to fast probably somewhere in the nature of 25 times for every one that I've stayed on track and gone all the way through. You know, I've set out the fast uh, 40 days or something and ended up breaking it after seven days. I've had many times where I've set out the fast just one day and maybe made it 18 hours or something. So uh, it's, it's, you know, okay when uh, fasting is one of the, I wouldn't say life's most difficult things. It's, it's a difficult thing, I think, in every culture. It's particularly difficult in our culture. We live in a culture where we're well-to-do enough, at least in terms of agriculture, that you're within a minute or two of being able to get something unhealthy for you that's very delicious uh, at all 24-7. You, you can always find something uh, good to eat in terms of taste anyway, not necessarily in terms of nutrition. Um, so, at the Roman numeral one, let's get in today's message, Fasting 102. Uh, today I'm going to cover types of fast and, and uh, revisit our fasting goals for why we're calling this fast. We are Today is uh, 100 days before Pentecost, 
And four days from now, we enter a season. The four days from now is Ash Wednesday, which John will be sharing about today, or yeah, at the second service today. And that is traditionally the season of Lent, which is traditionally a season of repentance and self-examination and turning back to the Lord that has been accompanied by fasting. But Easter, uh, the resurrection, is followed 50 days, actually 47 days later, uh, from Passover is, is 50 days to uh, Good Friday to, to, to Pentecost is 50 days. And Pentecost, if you notice in Acts 1, the, the church spent uh, the, the whole 10 days before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in community prayer together, praying for the promised spirit. So we are not asking anyone to fast for these a whole 100 days. We are asking that you would increase your fasting efforts. If you have a normal fasting discipline, take it up a notch. If you don't have a normal fasting discipline, uh, we're asking you to, to start one. And so uh, I was just uh, Googling yesterday some, uh, some websites on fasting, and I came across Campus Crusades for Christ, uh, also known as Crew now. And I had forgotten that Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, had become quite noted for his teaching and practice of fasting during his last decade of his life. Uh, Ray, Ray Nether and he were friends, and uh, in fact, at one time, they were roommates. And um, back in the 50s, before I was, before, well, actually, I was born, but most of you weren't born by that. Um, and Bill Bright, you know, had some different phases. They started Crusade in the 50s, and they were, when the charismatic broke, movement break out, broke out from 59 to 68 or 71, people date the starting in that 12-year period or so. Uh, Crusade was quite vehement against it. About 10 years later, Bill Bright gave a very famous speech that many people think maybe launched or contributed to what was called the third wave, where he basically appealed to quit persecuting the, the charismatics and, and quit fighting about it. And they even changed the policy of Campus Crusade for Christ that, that that if you were baptized in the spirit or spoken tongues, you you could still practice that and be a member of Crusade, where you used to have to sign a form that you didn't practice that to to be on staff with them. Now they just said, we ask you not to to talk about it or share it, but if you want to do that privately, you can, which was at least a little thawing, you might say. And that came about through his relationship with Pat Robertson. And then in the, in the 90s, he really uh, began to fast 40 days uh, each year and began to call on other Christian leaders to come fast. And the fast that he uh, led or inspired people to grew quite popular where hundreds of Christian leaders came came together to fast. Uh, not everyone stayed for the whole 40 days, but they came together. Uh, some, some would come down and, you know, would fast 40 days, but fly down for two or three days to pray. And, and uh, so I thought I would take a few quotes from Bill Bright on fasting. So, uh, first, fasting is the most powerful spiritual discipline of all the Christian disciplines. Now, as you know, as a church, we te we encourage you to consider the doctrine of grace and and be grace based, and don't remind yourself always that God has called you through the gospel and the atonement, and you are not more acceptable to God because you practice spiritual disciplines. But because he has made you acceptable, because he has wiped away your sins, because he has made you his son or daughter, 
Uh, he has called you to practice spiritual disciplines to seek him and to grow in the knowledge of him and to grow in relationship with him. As a son wants to grow up to be like his father, uh, we, we who have the DNA of Christ in us have a strong, compelling, urgent drive to become like our father. That's probably, for, that's probably the most clear sign that a person has been clearly born again, that you want to be like father in every way. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. And um, it, uh, you, may, uh, you may not always experience 100% the outworking of that, but you will see that your repentance continually bears more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. <clears throat> so fasting is the most powerful spiritual discipline of all the Christian disciplines. Isn't that good? He said, I believe the power of fasting as it relates to prayer is the spiritual atomic bomb that our Lord has given us to destroy the strongholds of evil and usher in a great revival and spiritual harvest around the world. Another one, through fasting and prayer, the Holy Spirit can transform your life. Another one, according to scripture, personal experience and observation, I am convinced that when God's people fast with a proper biblical motive, seeking God's face, not his hand, with a broken, repentant, and contrite spirit, God will hear from heaven and heal our lives and our churches, our communities, our nation, and our world. Now, let me just make a comment on what he's going after when he's saying seeking his face and not his hand is a metaphor for seeking the Lord's hand is, Lord, come do these things for us. You know, cause our evangelistic campaign to succeed, uh, et cetera. Stretch out your hand to heal with signs and wonders and so forth. And certainly, you see the, the saints praying that in Acts 4 and other places, but that is secondary to just seeking his presence, seeking his face, seeking to, to uh, be a, a fit and proper temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, fasting and prayer can bring about revival and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Fasting is an awesome power can be released, or awesome power can be released through fasting as you fast through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. So those are just some quotes. Uh, definition of fasting. Fasting is the deliberate abstaining from all or selected foods for the purpose of seeking God and intensifying the power of individual and corporate prayer. So let's break that down a little bit. Fasting is the deliberate. You don't fast by accident. Well, I forgot my lunch, so I called it a fast. <laughs> well, uh, well, if you had it within your means, I suppose, to buy a lunch and you still chose to just uh, spend some time seeking the Lord, that could be a, then that's a fast, as long as it's deliberate. Abstaining, that is not partaking in, it can be from all foods. That's the normal fast that we're going to talk about first, called a full fast sometimes. Uh but you can have partial fast, as we're going to see in point B, 3B below. Um, so fasting is from all or selected foods for the purpose of seeking God and intensifying the power of individual or corporate prayer. Uh, we were, had some guys over last night uh, doing a Bible study on water baptism for the sake of uh, uh, what we're doing after church. Is a couple guys are going to get water baptized up at Bethel. And... Uh, what, uh, you know, one of the things we alluded to is uh, a very good little book on community is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book called Life Together, has five chapters. And uh, chapter five is kind of 
practical outworkings of community called confession and community. But chapters three and four, one of them is called the day alone and the other is called the day together. And in the day alone, he says, never allow people to be alone who don't, uh, aren't deeply entrenched and involved in serving uh, the community, being with the brothers and sisters, worshiping together, corporate activity and accountability. And in the day together, he says, never allow people to be in Christian community who don't like to seek God alone. Um, there, there has to be something in the Christian life where you're, you really, uh, in your heart of hearts, are really glad to be alone in your prayer closet where no one knows, hopefully turning off Facebook and all distractions and everything else, phones, whatever, and just seeking the heart and face and mind of God, reading his word, etc. But then there's something that, that should be deep in the Christian life that says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And... Uh, that has to be something that's kind of a dual tension in the Christian life for it to be healthy and in, in growing in Christ. So uh, with that in mind, let's look at some types of fast. The first one I have listed there is the full fast. And basically it means eating zero food for a specified period of time. Uh, normally it, it could be as little as eight to 12 hours, but that won't be very challenging if you do that on any kind of regular basis. Uh, I recommend that you, if you haven't fast much, that you start with 18, 24, and 30-hour fast until 30-hour fasting becomes a pretty normal, uh, not that difficult experience for you. That's why uh, many periods of church history, they fasted at least uh, from the evening meal till the next dinner, depending on if you ate late or not, that could be anywhere from 18 to 24 hours. They did that on Wednesdays and Fridays in, in several centuries of the early church. And John Wesley and the Methodists practiced that. In fact, Wesley had a system of home groups for accountability and he wouldn't uh, ordain anybody to be the shepherd of that home group unless they had a regular habit of fasting at least till dinner Wednesdays and Fridays. And he got that because John Wesley was a great reader of the ancient church fathers. That was one of the most characteristic, notable characteristics of his ministry was he was a great studier of the ancient church fathers for the first five or six centuries. And so, um, again, eating zero food for a specified period of time. Now, cautions. First, get motivated uh, before you do it. In other words, read a book on fasting or an article on fasting. Make a list of, of, of things you're seeking God about and a uh, prayer list uh, that includes both seeking the face and heart of God, as Bill Bright exhorted us there, and seeking the hand of God. You know, um, I fast for troubled people that I want to see breakthrough often, regularly and often. When God brings a troubled person into my life, I normally go on a season of fasting for that person. And uh, if you have a troubled relative, I would encourage you to consider fasting as a regular discipline for your troubled son, daughter, mother, aunt, uncle, cousin, whoever you're concerned about. So get motivated ahead of time, though. Look at, for instance, reread Isaiah 58 from last week's teachings 
and meditate on the Ten Promises. We reread Matthew 6 from last week's teaching and meditate on the promises Jesus gave us and so forth. Um, myself, part of when I do short fast, like one day or 18 hours, a lot of times at the top of my list is what we covered last week, Psalm 35, 15. I humbled my soul with fasting. I have struggled with pride all my life. Uh, I wish I could say then I became a Christian and I was humble. Uh, then I became a Christian and I started on a journey towards God uh, chipping away at this t terrible pride that we all have and that I've had and that hides. And so the, even though the Bible tells us that we have to humble ourselves and it's up to us to take some initiative to seek God, we desperately need God to even show us where how prideful thoughts are hiding and patterns of prideful thoughts in our heart and our mind. Um, I thank God every time he helps me just a little bit with this pride because it's just so pervasive. Uh, if you don't really realize how disgustingly proud you are, then you are really disgustingly proud and you really don't get it. That's just the, the, that's just the irony of it all. Uh, the more you're like gripped with, oh my God, I'm so proudful, the more you're got some hope. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but God has to regularly grip you with that. Uh, if you're not that concerned about how what a know-it-all you are and how proudful and selfish, ambitious and unteachable you are, you're really in trouble. If, you're, if that's not something that terrorizes you, uh, then you should be terrorized. Because uh, it started when somebody bought into the idea that it, the food was desirable to make one wise and that we would be as God ourselves determining what is good from evil. Ever since then, every human being that's walked this planet has had such an insipid pride that it's disgusting. It was the sin that Satan himself succumbed to, and it's the sin that he tries to keep you from knowing Christ through. So get motivated. Be prepared. Be prepared for difficulty. Uh, read articles or books and know there's going to be battle points as you try to break through. If you increase from, a say, a 30-day fast to a three-day fast or something, uh, it will be a battle. Um, I have a few times accomplished fasting for anywhere from seven to 40 days, and it's usually a battle for three to five days before it, then it usually becomes relatively easy at a certain point. And part of it is the first 24 hours, if you're a coffee drinker, if you drink colored soda because of the amount of toxins in the food coloring that they make uh, Coke and Dr. Pepper and all that with, it takes 10 glasses of purified water to wash out the food coloring from one colored pop. If you drink a lot of tea or coffee, if you're a caffeine addict, uh, you, uh, if you're a sugar addict, if you're a fried food addict, uh, you will probably go through headaches the first day. And you may get some very intense headaches in the front of your head if, you're a, if you drink Monster. That's why Edwin quit Monster, so he could fast better. <laughs> if you're addicted to caffeine or whatever. It's been a few months since you've had a Monster. How you going, you're not going through withdrawal or anything, are you? All right. So, <laughs> not anymore. Uh, so, do you understand? There's going to be a battle. 
you know, and you're one of the things you're going to find as you as you learn to fast and, and uh, fast for longer periods and so forth. You're going to you're going to find out just how much your flesh thinks it is Lord and is accustomed to being able to boss you around. We don't even realize how much we just obey our appetites about everything, food, drink, sleep, sex, you name it. We are, we have grown up uh, in the last 70 years. There's been no major world war. We become the most prosperous and softest culture in terms of steel in our soul of any culture in the world. And we have all, a joke I often make, and even I like to make this in front of unbelievers at, at uh, uh, diners or when, whatever, Bob Evans or whatever, and, uh, is that, you know, I can stand up to anything except temptation. And, <laughs> and that has become our creed as a culture. All of us can really, you know, we're really uh, gung-ho Christians until temptation walks in the room. When, when you fast, you'll find out just how powerful your temptations are. In fact, all of your appetites, your appetite for God, your appetite for his presence, your appetite for sex, your appetite for sleep, your appetite for food, all of them will be heightened during the initial battle. And you might as well go in prepared for that. I remember once I was in the middle of a fast and you start... Two or three days into it, you start dreaming of food and stuff. And, you know, I was dreaming of this lasagna one time, and I woke up and part of my pillow was gone. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, you, I, I have actually prayed to and seek God for, for, for uh, grace to dream about brown rice and vegetables <laughs> and uh, stuff because I'm used to because you know you when you're fasting you dream about turkey dinners and mashed potatoes gravy lasagna spaghetti plates pizza uh, you name it but uh, so I I tried to discipline my gluttony to to uh, go down a level and dream about broccoli and uh, brown brown rice and uh, chicken with the skin pre-removed before it's cooked uh, stuff like that. So, uh, another caution that I don't have here, but I want to talk to you about is, is that we have parents in here. Um, I did not permit my kids to fast full fast until they were like 21 and on their own. My, uh, two, my sons both did several, uh, 40 day Daniel fast, uh, and, and it really helped their spiritual condition in life and so forth but I never allowed them to do a complete fast. I, I think you maybe could allow your kids to do a complete fast for 18 hours or something like that. I do not recommend a full fast for more than a 24 hour period or so until you're fully grown somewhere around 21 years old. Um, even as a 19 year old and so forth, if you're still growing, I would consider fasting for say 24 hours and leaving it at that. And if you did that once a week, that would be an amazing spiritual discipline that would propel your whole Christian life forward anyway. So, you know, one of the things that we have a tendency to do, especially when we haven't done, uh, are, haven't grown up very disciplined or very motivated and we're underachievers in school or whatever, we just said, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to start by fasting uh, 40 days and then eating for one day and do another 40 days. <laughs> Build up to things gradually. You know, uh, I always tell the story that 
I was a flunky in high school, 2.5 average. I was accepted to college on a probationary status. Uh, while I was starting to read the Bible and talk to Christians and still smoking pot, I got three C's my first quarter of college. And then as I, I came to know the Lord and got on fire for God and took a quarter off to seek God and then went back to college, I set a goal to get all B's, not all A's. Because I, I didn't have the history and the framework and the foundation. And then after I, and I achieved that right away, all B's, never got a C again after I became a Christian. But then I set a goal to have half A's and half B's after about a year. And I kept upping it. By my senior year, I set a goal to get all A's, and out of my last four quarters, 16 classes, I still got two B's. So when it comes to fasting, don't start off with some goal to fast three days when you've never fasted. Try to fast 18 hours or 24 hours or something. You may find it difficult if, if you've really been a person given over to, uh, to satisfying your appetites quickly and so forth. You may find 12 hours difficult at first. I usually start getting into the battle about nine or ten hours after the last meal. So if you're not used to battling and winning, set a set a low goal. Uh, boy, probably shouldn't have spent a make a prayer list. See on on the back of here, I what I did yesterday was to, simply a silly exercise in a sense. I uh, have short-term memory problems, so I did not consult last week's list of Grace Christian Fellowship's goals. I just uh, did it fresh. I sat and I had more time because last week I was kind of hurried and had two messages to prepare. This week I was less hurried and had a couple hours to sit in the presence of God. And, and the goals on the back, whether we get to them today or not, are what I thought of last night when I had time to sit before the Lord. So please read, take, please don't leave these in the pews today. I'm really going to be disappointed if I find seven or 10 of these in the pews like we usually do. Get it in a notebook, get it in your pocket, get it home somewhere, tape it to, to the mirror. The backside has uh, seven fasting goals spelled out in some detail. Uh, set your time limit for what you're going to shoot for in the fast ahead of time. Don't renegotiate it while you're fasting. <laughs> Bad policy. Uh, you know, put it in your day planner, which, by the way, uh, I have asked Larry and Jason Hale. I don't know when they're going to be doing this, but they are going to be doing at least one, if not two, teachings on why you need a schedule book in a day planner, whether it's electronic or physical, because that is just a major weakness of our church. I mean, we actually have people ask us, we, say they didn't know about something that we announced six, seven times. Bring You should have your day planner out and open during the announcements. You should copy the things in the bulletin into your, and it, you should write your assignments for school into your day planner. Believe me, no, People who don't schedule in some ways and have reminders of their schedule never accomplish much in life. So when it comes to fasting, set that period of time. Now, note that normally biblical fasting does not abstain from water, just food. Uh, in fact, unless you have some kind of supernatural healing kind of experience, you will actually do yourself damage if you fast more than three days without water. 
I don't recommend fasting without water at all, even one day. And I'll tell you why. We eat a diet today due to food processing, chemical additives, and so forth that's much more poisonous than the diet eaten in the times of Christ and biblical times. And poison doesn't store in your body in any, any, just any old random way. Poison stores in your fat cells. Okay, and there's kind of a hierarchy of poisons. Uh, there's more poison, say, in beef than there are in, is in celery. So when you fast, you, you put your body into a state called ketosis, where your body hopefully starts to, to eat itself. And it doesn't do it in any un indiscriminate way. Your, your body normally will eat the fattest fat cells first and uh, weaker and old cells and things like that. That's how you lose weight. And, and you have to be in ketosis to lose weight. But when you're in ketosis, those fat cells are releasing poisons into your bloodstream. Now, I don't want to go too far with this, but you have several systems in your body, including your perspiration, your breath even, uh, your, of course, your feces and your urine. All of these are ways that your body gets rid of poisons. So you can help your body get rid of poisons by drinking purified waters. Now, what I do, uh, if I'm fasting more than three days, I buy the kind of water, even though I have this, you know, everyone knows I have this really nutty state-of-the-art uh, water purifying system that has seven charcoal filters before it goes through reverse osmosis and all this kind of stuff that I studied and invented myself years ago. Uh, I don't use that water because it purifies everything out and it, therefore, it's leasing, leaching the potassium. I actually recently, uh, through a discussion with Beth, added a potassium pill to my vitamins every morning because I'm, I was getting too many cramps first thing in the morning in my calves and so forth because I don't have enough potassium in my system. So you, you will leach everything out of your body. So what I recommend, if you read the labels carefully, Nestle's makes a product like this, Kroger sells a product like this, where if you read the label carefully, if, if it just says spring water or whatever, it's usually just tap water. They're, they're allowed to say that as long as somewhere it started in a spring. Uh, they don't have to disclose what's actually in the water. And unless it says that it was purified in using our osmosis process or our reverse osmosis process, then it's not actually purified water. It's just city water. And you're being ripped off because they're taking advantage of the fact that you don't think about these things and read very well. And you haven't studied it out. There's no government laws like there is with food where the water, people who bottle water have to tell you what's in the water. And with the foods, they have to tell you. So if you're buying bottled water, make sure it says that it's been filtered with at least an osmosis system. And then you want the stuff that says electrolytes have been re-added for the sake of taste. Most people think it tastes better, and it should have, they should have added calcium, magnesium, and I'm not sure the third, phosphorus or something. But uh, it'll taste slightly different, but it's, it's way better for your body when you're fasting. So, boy, I'm way behind schedule. 
I probably just need to make one more point about that. If you do fast for more than three days, I used to have a real big problem where uh, John, John actually remembers we would, we would play badminton in the side yard. And after every point, I'd have to stop and like, and like hold my pants and like they do in, in basketball games when they've been really running a lot. And that was like badminton. <laughs> and I, back then I was a little younger and better in shape. Because what happens is if, you, if you're fasting and you're using just straight purified water, you'll bring your blood pressure down and it eventually will get down too low. So I, I, I found out through testing my blood pressure that if I use the stuff that the electrolytes have been added back into, my blood pressure stays great the whole fast. And I don't get dizzy when I stand up or, or any of that. So water is really huge. Don't fast with the American diet if you're not going to drink a lot of water. Uh, I think I've been clear about kids and all. So let's move on. Partial fast, uh, there's various kinds, but I list three here. One is the Daniel fast. The Dan there is no such thing actually in scripture as a Daniel fast. It's kind of a modern adaptation. But what they do is they take the verses in Daniel 1 about how they wouldn't eat the king's meats and the king's alcohol, and they would only eat vegetables, and they, they don't eat meat or alcohol. And they combine that with the uh, great fasting results of Daniel chapter 9. So... Um, the reason they didn't eat the king's delicacies was that the, the king's meats were sacrificed to idols and they were considered part of the pagan rituals and they wanted to stay loyal to the God of Scripture. It had nothing to do with the nutritional value. But it was thought at that time if you ate a more succulent diet and fattier diet, you would be you know more healthy and so forth. And, and they were just as healthy as the other kids eating the vegetable diet. So, um, Daniel fast usually include everything else except veggies, breads, pasta, salads, cereals, fruits, nuts, legumes, beans, etc. are usually included in the standard Daniel fast. Most people with Daniel fast don't make a separation of white rice or white pasta or white bread. So personally, I don't think you should expect, like on a Daniel fast, you're, you're not going to lose weight. And it's not necessarily that healthy. So um, we did, we, the whole church was asked to do a Daniel fast for, I think, 40 days in Bowling Green once. And uh, I was really surprised at the, uh, how, how good people got at having fantastic feast on the Daniel fast rules. And I was like, this is no sacrifice at all. So that leads me to this. You might consider what I would say, call a healthy fast. Make up your own rules, but I'm just going to give you a few guidelines here. One is no sugar. There are all kinds of studies about sugar, literally thousands of studies that show that sugar does hundreds of bad things to your body. I wouldn't have time to go into all of them, but many of you are aware of some of them. Uh, by the way, if you have any struggles with pain, sugar is inflammatory and makes your pain go up. I've had much less pain since I cut down on sugar in my diet most of the time, except late at night. I do have a temptation to sugar sometimes. Candy. It's a tough one to break. Candy, pop, snacks, drinks, desserts, etc. See, if you're not familiar with it, just Google the idea called the glycemic index. It's a powerful tool. 
to understand which foods are more glycemic versus which aren't. Consider cutting out white flour because white all food breaks down into glucose. Glucose is actually the uh, the Greek word for glucose. Glucose, something like that, was actually the word used for cheap or sweet wine. It meant heavily sugar, quickly fermented, cheap wine. And that's what they were accused of drinking in Acts chapter 2. It's the only place in the New Testament where the word wine is not oino, wine. They were not accused of drinking wine. They were accused of drinking, you know, wine coolers or, you know, little kids wine. Uh, Matt, you know, uh, wino's wine, cheap wine. So uh, consider white bread, white pizza crust, white pastas, white rice. Consider going on a time, cutting that out for the season. Consider fatty meats, red meat, beef, sausage, bacon, pork, all the goodies. Uh, you know, eat white meat, ch chicken. Uh, if you want to make it even leaner, take the skin off before you cook it. In poultry, most of the fat is contained in the skin. If you take it off, it'll be uh, better for you. Uh, deep fried foods. Uh, study a little bit about the types of fats, saturated, non-saturated, mono, you know, monosaturated, whatever. S study a little bit about that. Like with peanut butter, if you notice, your natural peanut butter will separate at room temperature. That's why you have to stir it and store it in the refrigerator. Anything that the fat doesn't separate it at room temperature is killing you. Normal peanut butter is very, very bad for you. But it sells well. Uh, various beverages you might cut out. Alcohol, coffee, tea, energy drinks. Uh, some more do's, lean meats, eggs, whole grains, fresh or frozen fruits, vegetables. Set the rules ahead of time for yourself. Write them out. Post them on the fridge, whatever. Uh, don't, you know, please drink purified water with electrolytes in large quantities. Um, there's a juice fast. A juice fast, uh, you can, there's lots of stuff about juice fasting on the internet. Be warned that a lot of, that every religion in the world, including humanists, fast. So you have to have enough Christian worldview to, uh, to weed out the fast because they're fasting to Buddha or, or you know, whatever. Uh, a, lot, a lot of um, health food people uh, have various tones of Wicca and witchcraft and stuff like that. Make sure you, you, you know, you don't, you're screening that out. If uh, look for Christian sources, uh, last there's a guy named uh, Don Colbert, who's a Christian doctor, who does a lot about the health benefits of fasting and so forth. Uh, fasting renews your liver, and lots there's lots of reasons why fasting is very healthy. Uh, in a juice fast, um, you'll find that it's slightly easier if you're going to fast for a long period of time. Um, one of the times I did a longer fast at 30 days, I switched to a juice fast because I was really struggling whether I could make it to 40 days or not. And um, I switched to a juice fast and it made changed the whole equation and made it easier. With a juice fast, you normally drink a half a glass of, of fruit juice a day. Now the real fanatics about it make their own because when you make their, your own, there's much more uh, pulp and fiber and, 
and there's many more vitamins and enzymes, and it's much better than store-bought, especially if it's pasteurized, which kills the enzymes. I used to do that. It's a lot of work to make your own juice and stuff. I, don't, I never do that anymore. Just You can buy some of the better quality ones like Bold House Farms and, and all that kind of stuff and, and kind of accomplish the same thing or close to it anyway compared to the time element. Uh, read the labels. Make sure there's no sugar added and so forth. Um, I normally take about a half a cup of juice and dilute it with crushed ice so it'll last me half an hour, hour, so I can kind of enjoy it. Um, so vegetable juice, you're supposed to drink a half a glass. I can't stand vegetable juice, so I don't do that part. <laughs> but you do kind of need to balance your system, so I normally do what's called vegetable broth where you boil a bunch of green veggies and you add carrots and celery and onions and potatoes and things like that. And then you strain out all the vegetables and just save the broth. And it tastes terrible. But when after three or four days of fasting, and as long as you put it in a mug and it's pretty hot, it tastes pretty good. Not that, not really, but... <laughs> but uh, you'll uh, sort of appreciate it. Um, but it's good for the whole point of the juice fast is it's a better way to cleanse your system when you have and we have just lots of toxins in our American diet. Um, even Mahashavda switched. Uh, he in his book he describes how he switched from doing normal water fast. I think he did 19 40 day fast and he switched after 12 or 13 fast to a juice fast. It's, you wouldn't expect that you're talking one cup of juice over the whole day. You wouldn't expect that that really makes a big difference, but it really makes uh, a big difference, I think, for some reason to making it easier to get through, and it's, it uh, has cleansing benefits. Now, other fasting issues. I'm running out of time. Is it a fast if I abstain from TV or whatever? No, it's not. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Here's what you should do. Uh, on the don'ts, do nots, that is the negative, identify and abstain from time wasters. Before you fast, say, how do I waste time? Honestly, uh, this is an issue in our house and so forth. Christian videos are, as a whole, not as good as reading because you can take in information so much faster. They can be good. There's an impartation and different things, but don't make your whole diet Christian. Even with, with, I often tell, there's a lot of young people who have spent so much time worshiping the Christian videos that if they had just invested that amount of time in learning to play the guitar, they'd be worship leaders by now. And we have stood up at this pulpit for 11 years saying we need someone besides John to learn how to play the guitar, and only Leah Gray has, has done it. We need, a, we need some keyboard players. We need some guitarists. We need some violinists, whatever. We need people who, are, who, say, who sense a call on their life to worship God, to step up and make themselves disciplined enough to become a... To become a able to lead a small group of people and worship. We could have Friday night fellowship every week if we had one more guitar player. And that would change the whole spiritual atmosphere of our church, frankly. It's not enough to have Friday night worship every other Friday, but married couples can't do as much as single people can do. 
And so we really need a second or third worship leader. John cannot lead worship Tuesday nights, Friday nights, Sunday mornings, prepare a message, have his side business, and be a good husband. Because there's this little thing called sleep that you have to do at least a few hours. But you, there are, there are, there are at least ten people sitting in those pews that could have become a worship leader by now. So if you're going to fast, don't. It's not about fasting from TV. Fast from being frivolous. Fast from wasting your life. Take the time you would have spent in meal preparation and meals and invest it in in studying the Bible or developing a worship skill or something. Does that make sense? It's not just, yeah, I I would imagine, you know, some of you, hopefully you've seen by now that I posted on, I decided to quit doing Facebook. And it's simply because, I, the you know, the elders of our church, especially uh, the one of the... The wives of Carla, who's the wife of one of the elders, at an elders meeting a couple years ago told me, you know, if you're going to have a church full of people under 30, you're going to have to get on Facebook. But you know what? I found too many negative things about it for, for me. I mean, you know, people argue about stuff that they shouldn't be arguing about publicly. You know, there's just too many things. It just I, I, I don't really want to know that much about your cat. <laughs> I just, you know, I decided I'm going to at least fast from Facebook for these next hundred days. And I'm probably, I doubt I'll go back to it because it's just, it's just too much distraction. That's time I could spend reading, seeking God, growing. Uh, positive plan times, places, and the content of extra spiritual disciplines. Plan that ahead of time. Spend some time saying, you know, I'm going to spend take my lunch half hour and I'm going to go to the nearby park, lose five minutes each way, but that's going to give me 20 minutes in between. And I'm going to spend 15 minutes just reading Psalms or something. Psalms teach you how to love God and relate to God. During your fast, ask God to make your time wasters uh, loathsome in your mouth. You know, remember in the scriptures how it, there's he eats the scroll. There's a couple Revelation, there's Ezekiel. There's a couple different places where, you know, it's in your mouth. It's sweet as honey, but then it'll become bitter as what. Ask God to make your waste of time and your sins disgusting to you. Now, you can never totally eliminate. You ought to read C.S. Lewis on this. He's he's a genius on this stuff. I think it's even covered in some of his easy books like screw tape letters, but you can never totally eliminate what the Bible calls the passing pleasure of sin. All sin has a little pleasure, but no sin is actually worth it in terms of the cost. And a person still bound by a sin is a person who hasn't been able to get it in their fabric of their being that I don't want to go there because of the aftermath. Because there is a next day. So ask God to change. You know, Jonathan Edwards talked about your affections. And every one of us has loves and hates. And we part of the Christian life of sanctifications is learning to love what God loves and hate what he hates. 
And it's not just an intellectual thing, it's a, it's a change of your emotions. Uh, last point on that is extra rest. Now, uh, people ask, should I abstain from pleasures? I don't, I don't want to spend that much time. Some people do, some people don't. I don't think you have to, if you're married, you don't have to abstain from relations with your wife. But wives, let me just give you a, a warning. Most husbands' desire for that will go down after about five to seven days. <laughs> and uh, uh, it actually usually goes up for one or two, three days. Better take advantage of that, wives. But uh, <laughs> um, light exercise, can I exercise when I fast? Yeah, just take, take it down a notch. But yes, you actually should exercise when you're fast. Uh, but you want to make it a little lighter. And don't forget what I talked about already about ketosis and detoxification. Now, I'm going to end right here. So you can read, um, you know, this was my brainstorming about GCF prayer and fasting goals last night when I had a couple hours to really think about it. So please, please spend some time with that. And uh, I, may, I may cover that again next week, but I'll probably go back to the Kingdom of God series next week.